and welcome to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. We are not back this week uh, with Anthony Asquith's uh, film, The Browning Version. Um, unfortunately, uh, yeah, that episode is going to be delayed by about a week or two. Um, what Lee and I decided, uh, based on the currently evolving state of how things are going here in Melbourne, um, in the next couple of days, we're actually going to be out of lockdown and allowed uh, to get together in the same room and watch the film and record together. So instead of uh, sort of doing another session via Zoom, we decided uh, for our own sake and our own sanity and um, hopefully for the sake of the podcast and quality of a recording, uh, we decided to kind of uh, put this week's episode back by a couple of days just so that gives us an opportunity to get together in person, sit down and record. But we didn't want to leave you guys without a brand new episode, so with that, we have decided we're going to pull something from the Patreon. For you listeners that aren't subscribed over at patreon.com slash thecriterionquest, uh, we've decided we're going to pick one of our audio commentaries, uh, little podcast commentary tracks that we've been doing over there every month. We've pulled one of our recent favorites uh, from behind the paywall, so to speak, to give you guys a little bit of a taste about what it's all about and what's happening over there. Maybe possibly entice you to come over, you know, become a patron, uh, dive into the archives now. We've got, um, God, close to 20-odd commentary tracks, and right now we're uh, deep into our spooky season again, and we've just recently done a great commentary we really enjoyed doing on uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, and... Uh, I'm not going to spoil what the next one is, but it's a very Halloween-y themed movie. Um, it's not Halloween, John Carpenter's film, or anything to do with that franchise, but it's a spooky season kind of fun movie. Um, so yeah, if you enjoy what you hear with this uh, commentary track, uh, yeah, head on over. As always, I'll link to it in the episode description and all of that stuff. Alright, so without further ado, let's get to the commentary. Uh, what we decided was, we looked back at the recent few that we've done, and we decided to go with Frank Oz's 1988 comedy classic, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, starring Michael Caine and Steve Martin. Uh, this is a huge favourite of mine, and uh, Belize as well. Um, we had an absolute ball recording this commentary, so we hope you enjoy but uh, since this is a commentary track, what we're going to do is, uh, the second the audio starts playing normally on the on these episodes that we release, it's when we give the instructions over on the Patreon, and it's sort of, you know, you're off to the races with the film. So, uh, since we don't have that this time, and I've got this little bit of a preamble kind of intro, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count us in right now. So basically, now is your time. If you want to uh, queue us up, queue up the movie, put in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, whether it be a stream or a DVD or a Blu-ray, whatever you've got, uh, we're going to kick off with our commentary, and I'll give you a little count in now. Three, two, one, play. Meow. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another Criterion Quest Patreon commentary. I am Chris. I'm Lee. And I'm Claire. She's sitting on the couch. She's back on the couch. <laughs> back on the couch. And uh, we have a... So we've broken up format. We're, we're fucking everything off. And yes. we're no longer doing a like, series of three commentaries that are on a theme. Yes. We're, we're kind of just whatever the fuck we feel like. I think that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's The other one is, you know, we have to... We've got that rigid structure. Yes. Uh, whereas this one, we get to do whatever we want. 
But we are, what are we watching, Chris? We are watching one of uh, my favourite comedies of all time, uh, and I would probably dare say one of my favourite movies of all time. Mm. Happily in like, I'll go in my top 50, I'll put it in there. Uh, We are watching Frank Oz's 1988 classic, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yay, and I think I was actually the one to suggest this. I think you were. I think it's one of my favourite comedies too. It's definitely up there. Um, uh, this opening is just perfect, isn't it? The the just purely sticking on the hands and the beautiful one shot with the French Riviera behind them. And it really could be a real Johannes. Yeah, that's you, all we know. Yeah, we don't know anything right now, and it's so perfectly. But the the music tells us everything. The fucking music in this movie <laughs> is so classic. Yeah. Uh, right off the bat, I ended up uh, I listened to the Frank Oz's commentary on this actually for the first time ever. And I found out that, um, so this shot took like s- like six hours to light. They lit it during the day. That is all practical lights, making like reflecting off the water to make it look blue and pristine. Jesus. And that is uh, because the cinematographer for this movie is Michael Bauhaus, who uh, went on to shoot such films as uh, Goodfellas. Mm. He was Scorsese's cinematographer for quite a while, so. Yeah. And I think that's kind of an absolute credit to this movie is the fact that Frank Oz is like, let me get Michael Bauhaus to shoot this and kind of do a step beyond what I'd previously done as a filmmaker. I'm glad that you've done the research in that because I just get swept up in the characters and the comedy. Comedies, yeah. Comedy, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's the word. Yeah. Um, but when you first suggested this movie, it was quite a while ago. It was like maybe three months ago or something? Yeah, we have to, like, wait, because we've got the... We had the three thing. And yeah. Showing, we finally, you know, got up to it, yeah. Mm. Um, I just was in the mood. I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels again. And it was watching this title sequence, like, with that classic font and everything, I had the thought of, this feels and looks like an old 1940s classic. So I did something super crazy. Mm. I turned the colour off on my TV. Yeah. And I watched this entire movie as if it was a black and white film from the 40s and it plays perfectly like it is it feels like I mean wow. this this in general like the giant sweeping orchestral music just this classic like text over like a static shot <laughs> like it feels and there's lots of like fades fades in and fades out so when you say it plays like a 1940s, like a black and white film, film obviously moving into colour doesn't need to think about contrast, I'm imagining. No. Whereas when you turn a colour film on and it's colour off, I would imagine it would blend into background. Kind of, you know? yeah. Like this kind of the casino scenes here, it's like just that you pick up really on the smoky haze of the room yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, it, it kind of just helps it give that old-timey kind of con man feel. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because I've seen quite a few con man movies now because of Criterion, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> like those classic French ones. And like almost like a Preston Sturges film. It's shot very... Like, the beautiful Kane turning and all of a sudden he's in a spotlight there. Like I've got to say, Michael Kane in this movie is gross. I love him and his character, but he is skeezy looking. When he has his hair, like, slicked back, like, like he kind of looks like my dad. When he was this age. <laughs> Nigel Thornbury. Yeah. Lee well, thinks my dad looks like Nigel Thornbury. <laughs> but he kind of, like, when my dad was, like, maybe 40, 50, he kind of looks like that a bit. I can see that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's even down to, like, he has the weird... That bracelet he has on. That's, yeah. like, the one thing. It's, like, it is just one of those, like, medical... Like, medical, in quotations. Yeah. Like, copper ring things. Yeah. It's, like, why... 
If you're supposed to be this giant wealthy prince, why the fuck are you wearing that thing? Yeah. <laughs> it stains your eye wrist blue. Rough. Yeah, I saw that later in the film as well. Like, yeah. I really picked up on it. And I guarantee that's just Michael Caine just like, oh, no, I'm not taking off my bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first Michael Caine impersonation. Is anyone else going to try and <laughs> bust one out? I don't have one. I love how he uses the same tact later in the film, but it goes awry because he wins. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, followed up with the beautiful, like, cashing. It's like, I'm not a very good night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, oh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I reckon this opening has a Monty Python esness to it in the way that they keep shoving her into the bush. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, to the point of uh, when, like, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Oz like uh, actually went back in in post production and added, kept adding and boosting foley like sound effect noises of crumpling leaves. And, like <laughs> he's like it, it's it like you need to sell that dumbness <laughs> and silliness. Like it really is a dumb wacky caper. Yeah. <laughs> I just love uh, what is he staring at? <laughs> he's just <laughs> the moon. Oh, he's guess. contemplating. Do you want the whole world to know? <laughs> <laughs> but Andre as well, he's so perfectly cast here. Um, Anton Rogers as the actor. As the police chief? Yeah. Because that's the thing, like, it, it, you think of it as a, as a two-hander between Kane and Martin. Yeah. But really, like, the, there's the four of them that operate the cons, and it just works so well. Like, um, Senator Palpatine? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into Ian McDiarmid. Uh, I love how Fanny Hubanks of Omaha. <laughs> how do these people get as wealthy as they are? That's what I want to know. And the thing, I just, <laughs> I, I love that so she's stupid. from, she's from Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. Like, just nothing like plain, like, you know, farmland. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, that's the kind of... It's... It's making... It, it adds to that whole story thing of he's... Like, the people he's taking advantage of are rubes. Yeah. Like, they really are dumb, rich people. Yeah. And it seems like what he takes from them is never life-changing. No, you know what I mean? no. And that's when he finds out it's later with... something with, that they were willing to give up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... He never steals from them. He just... Accepts. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, through duplicity, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Into the plant again? <laughs> yeah, third plant? Yeah. Third or four. And then I just also love that he just runs off through the garden. <laughs> I know. I think watching it like this without the sound effects, like when he goes through that garden, it's yeah. hilarious. And the dramatic lighting here on Andre. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and I like how we just skip to the end. Yeah. There's a lot of shit. great time jumps in this film yeah, like perfect. that took me actually a couple of watches like to pick up on them really mm. and this is all the overhead and <laughs> it's a snappy opening it gets it, to the point yeah what is it we're eight minutes in and it's just like here is the setup how how this works we've seen two you know yeah what would we call them it, it's the yeah we're eight minutes in and in like i don't mean to shit on other films but it would be like 25 minute mark is yeah. when you introduce you know this the freddie benson character yeah I which is about how long i got into the remake i yeah i've got to say i've watched that part of the remake as well and uh comparatively they do this very differently yeah th i love the i just want to say sorry i love this shot how it's 
it's clearly just on a set, but like they've got the flickering lights as if it's the train outside, and it's the, we're following Michael Caine, but no, we're not. No. We keep pushing on beyond. So, I think it's like in these shots they're setting up. Yeah. But I've got to say, this uh, reveal of this character and how he walks in and the shift in his <laughs> <laughs> The fluttering of the eyes. It just tells you everything you need to know yeah. about this character. And this scene in particular is absolutely hilarious. And I like how he is not aggressive or assertive towards her. He, he does the, the, oh, I'm starving, I'm so hungry... Yeah. Um, he plays the victim. Yeah, and then, oh, 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 the prices, they are so high. Never mind, I'll just have water. Love water. water yes. <laughs> It'd be so much better if he said tap water. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's that's what's kind of fun about the whole dynamic of these two characters, like the way they go about their cons, is they never put themselves in a power structure. They are always playing the victim. They're always putting themselves low, in a lower status than the people that they're conning, so that that makes them kind of feel more like yeah. yeah it just it's a really nice way to do it, and the, like you said, there's never the only time Freddie gets slightly aggressive, even is is just towards I guess um, uh, Lawrence later when he's like, "Get the fuck out of my town!" Yeah, like, yeah. So this is probably my favorite line of the whole film uh, coming up, uh, which is not just yet, but it's better to have. I can't remember it, but it's oh, when it comes up. I'll have to just read it when it comes up. Wait, is it is it like him quoting his grandmother yeah. or something? Yeah, but it, hang on. My gram gram. <laughs> it's so pathetic. It's cringeworthy, but he does it so well. <laughs> I'm going to help my gram gram. <laughs> and the fact that he's like barely oh. making icon. It is better to, to tell me. It is better to be truthful and good than to not. <laughs> that way through so the, this is something I have to mention is uh, Freddie's character is a dumbass right yes he's clever in his way but he's mainly a dumbass and at no point through the training or anything that he goes through does his character shift into smart no in fact with the very end of the film she even says and this guy he's he he's can't a mute. do any, and we anything <laughs> yeah. without him he's, he's integral like whatever yeah. uh, but he's mute yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So no, perfect. Don't fucking Yeah, up. like he just stays dumb the yeah. whole way through. And obnoxious. <laughs> I just love that little thank you. Like the <laughs> And it, that scene is made all the better for the cutaways to Michael Caine yes. and like when he says like the <laughs> better to have like yeah, than to not, it cuts to Kane and he gives like the slightest smile at yes. it. Where he's just like he's he knows, he knows exactly what's happening and he's just like Oh, that you, you English know. You, the type. you assume that it's like, oh, that he was me when I was. It. Yeah, it's like right. that was me when I was like nineteen or yeah, something. Yeah. But I've learned. But I think the combo, the the reaction, and all that, like Michael Caine holds up like just as funny as Steve Martin in this film. Well, that was what was interesting, like uh, doing the research and stuff. Like, so the film didn't get that much kind of recognition, I guess, when it first came out. What? Like, sort of, really? it was like a 64, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, got one Golden Globe nomination for Best Actor in a Comedy for Michael Caine. Yeah! Instead, they lobbied for Caine instead the of Steve Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Wanted me to get the genital cup. <laughs> so great, like, Michael Caine's reading a French newspaper and Steve Martin's yes. reading a mad magazine. It's, it's, <laughs> the, it's the details, isn't it? Yeah. Where, Whereas, I'm sorry, the, the new one, which I haven't seen the whole 
we won't talk about it, but in the hustle, hustle. Yeah. Uh, she comes in and she's got both backpacks: the front backpack, the back backpack. A uh, River Wilson. Yeah. It's aggressive. She aggressively sits down at the table, and the only thing funny about that scene is Anne Hathaway's smirk, her knowing yeah. look, which yeah. they stole directly from this film. So yeah. It's not really funny at all. Exactly. Like, it's that. That's my problem with the like this film, despite it being about two con men playing a game. It's not mean-spirited it is the first it's not a mean-spirited film it is I, and i think it, it's their performances it's the direction it's the style it's the mu- it's everything yeah. that goes into it makes it feel light, light and fun not mean-spirited and aggressive and if you if say freddie's character is like yelling and screaming all the, and falling down and farting yes it just <laughs> no no offense to rebel wilson uh i I do like her in some things. But it yeah, it's not it's not her, I suppose, it's the rewriting. And the thing is is that it's this new wave of role reversal uh remakes kind yeah. of thing. But I actually think that's kind of wasted on this film because I think this film is a role reversal, whereas normally you would say the gold diggers would be women. But mm. in this sense it's men and he says, you know, in this scene he says, you know, you know, they've been doing this for you. Now, why don't we take from them? Why is that so bad? Why can't we take them from them? You know, so it, I think this film's already a role reversal. Mm. And so of, the, of the stereotypical. Stereotypical. Like, yeah. and, uh, and I think and the new the, one in the end is actually yeah. more offensive. Like, I don't know what happens in the end of the remake. Well, I, watched it. I didn't get to no, it, yeah. It. <laughs> However, it, I'm imagining that it's a male who is basically the jackal, I, and that would feel... No, the, I don't okay. think that character's in it at, towards oh. the end. I think it involves them doing, like, almost an... Oh, I, I, let me know if I'm totally wrong, yeah, but I, I think it's... I think it's going to be... If it's just a male that's like, actually, I outsmarted you ladies, that's, like, the opposite of what people would have been... No, I think, it's, exactly. I think it's them doing, like, a con where they, like, they steal from Lords of London or something. Like, it, it's like a heist. That's it ends up being like a... Yeah. That's not even as good as it but, is. But they con their way into it or what, I, I but think. But do you see what I mean about role reversal already in this film? Yeah. Mm. And it, it's, it when, they revo- when they when reverse it, it with the new one, it's almost like... Oh, sorry. It's being offensive to women because it's working back into that stereotype of yeah. gold diggers. And it's, I guess, like, as well... I'm weak and you're the one that can give me money. Yeah, I can't get I, my I own. I don't have any power. Yeah, no. Well, That's what I'm thinking. Like, I, Yeah, I, whereas I've the women seen. here are like, oh, I have the money and the power. I, I feel sorry for you and your, your plight. Yes. I'll give you some money. Exactly. Yeah. The, the other thing exactly. is... Yeah, they're being wronged, but... The yeah. the other thing that's kind of interesting as well is, re- like, a base reading of this, you could be like, oh, yeah, these guys are conning and stealing money from women and they're taking advantage of them. But strangely... Sorry, burping while I'm saying this. <laughs> uh, Michael, like, Lawrence as a character, deeply... He, he respects women. That's like, right. Like, the scene right he here. He principles, yeah. And he has people... Like, he gets them into the fold and working with him and stuff. Like, Andre- Andrea here, I believe it is. Um, ma- 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 yep. I, I forget who, what her character Marion. Marion was perfect. Like, mm, yeah, yes. it's, it's... He respects women and, like, doesn't... There's no objectifying... The, the only time there's some slight objectifying is with Freddie on the beach, but then that's kind of undercut by the swimsuit that Steve Martin is wearing. He's making himself the sexual object there in a hilarious thing. Yes, so good, and that is the worst swimsuit ever. Apparently Steve good. Martin picked it out himself, and it was like, this, this will be hilarious. So pale as well. Yeah, um, pale and hairy. <laughs> um, 
Marion. To the curtain? Yeah. Marion. I was going to say, do the curtains match the drapes on Steve Martin? <laughs> always looked like an age and you're like because he was white not even grey because yeah, he, he was white from such a young age yeah you're I think like, you started turning been, white at about 24 you've been the same age forever you've been yeah. 40 for like 50 years yeah. <laughs> yeah. well I think he's 43 when shooting this and Michael Caine I Kane, thought you were going to say now no 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 and Michael <laughs> he and was I, born here and I want to say Kane is in his early 50s there's like a Five to ten year gap between There's them. There's a twelve year gap. That, that's what it was. Yeah, and um, so they I had to look it up as well. So to make them kind of seem, they kind of made didn't do much makeup on Steve Martin to try and age him up a bit, and vice versa, a shitload of makeup on Michael Caine to try and meet them in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say um, what this film does best is obviously it's a film about duping or about conning or about all this sort of thing, and us as an audience, it's hard to remember because I've watched this so many times. Um, but you are along the ride with what's going on, but you're still getting... Sorry, I just quickly want to interrupt. I, I love that, that. Sorry, just the, they're like scoping out the new women for him to con. And it's like this woman, she's like the new heiress to this fortune, the Dutch fortune. And then there's the photo of her with the late husband. And it, she's like 20 and the guy's like 9,000 years old. Yes. And so you're like, oh, so it's, it's like a... It's almost like a victimless crime. Yeah. Because he's it's not cause, taking well, she that was, much. That's what she was... Do yeah. I doubt she loved that guy. What does that, what does that do for the character? Yeah. We see him in a good light, whereas we automatically are seeing uh, Freddy in a bad light. Like, yeah. He's a bit shit. He doesn't know what he's doing. And that's the whole thing of, like, eventually when it gets to Lawrence trying to teach him the lessons of to how... Like, the, to do this is to be a good person as well. Like, donating art to the museum and, like, helping save gardens. It's, it's icing on the cake for this guy to be a <laughs> likeable character. See, yes, but... Okay, I was watching this, and I think, did he really do that? Or was that another dupe to get Steve Martin to leave graciously, as he explains oh. here? See, I don't... I, I think he legitimately does it, because... I, I think so, too. I because the way he's presenting it all to him, he's speaking with such pride in things. And I think that's also part of the reason why the town let him get away with it that to be honest that casino would know his yeah, of course like and he, all the staff would know him and stuff like yeah, yeah you have the bellhop running through the lady going at dr mill schuffhausen like yes. um and the police inspector is his you know number two guy yeah or whatever. yeah so yeah they're, they're on the take, but the whole town's on the take in one way yeah. or another. Because he's helping kind of... Beautify. Yeah, bring yeah. things and into this place. brings in further revenue. That is awful. That suit oh, and I know, the sandal. Short suit, yeah. Oh. Here we go, here we go. Yeah! <laughs> oh. Wow, yes! And to I be, watched yeah. it recently and I, even between now and then, completely it's, wiped that from my mind. It's gnarly. <laughs> It is gnarly. Man, like, he is so pale. Mm-hmm. He is so pale. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, where this was actually shot, it is, like, a huge um, seaside village and things. Like, I'll get the actual location. I want to get it. Because it's... There is no place Beaumont or Mare. <laughs> oh, damn. I was like, let's go there for our next holiday. Well, I was going to, uh, yeah, ask the question, where is it filmed? Because... Uh, it's uh, Côte Azur. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh no, uh, Bellevue sur Mer, not Beaumont sur Mer. Which is 
in which France. Country? So, uh, so yeah, it's on the French Riviera. I've been to the French Riviera. Some stuff shot in Nice. And I need to. You know what? Doesn't crack up as good as Australian beaches. Gotta say. Because it's all it's stones, isn't it? Yeah, it's fine. Mm. It's yeah. like what Chris says about an okay fit. It was fine. fine. <laughs> I don't like when, when he says the stones, like Chris will look at me and he can say and attest to the fact in Hawaii when we went to some beaches that did have stones. Oh, yeah. Sand, I was not a happy camper. Yeah. I did have blisters on the bottom of my feet already, but... True, like, and then, I, and then oh, I went for a swim and I came back and you're like, your leg's bleeding a lot. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's just soft, soft sand. So this scene, how they did this was Frank Oz just said to Steve, Go. And yes. so Frank Oz is crouched down at the floor, and when he thinks the scene, the improv has run its course, he taps on Andre's foot for him to interrupt and move on with the scene. Oh. I love this so much. This scene killed Great me. Direct. Like, Fra- Lawrence, fucking Frank Lawrence, Oz, man. Jamison. Jamison. Lawson. Lawrence. So it's like, that's at that point. like the he is because yeah. he needs him to say it properly so he doesn't clue on to the fact yeah. that he's already him. Yes. Yeah. So he's like, just fucking say it. Yeah. And the just the, name. the perfect thing of Frank Oz just like, it, I guess it's that whole thing of like the practicality of tapping and things when it's to go. It's, you forget, he, this is his first non-puppet film he's directed. Mm, I was going to say, I'm yeah. so Frank Oz. He's always hiding under the... Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Miss Piggy Miss herself, Fozzie Bear, yeah. Animal. Um, but then this. What other films has he directed? So uh, I like. I'm a massive Frank Oz fan. Like, I mean, really? li- listeners will know how big a fucking Muppet fan I am. I, yeah. Like, it's because you huge. are one. Yeah. I mean, for it's God's sake, Muppet movie. We had Menomina on our wedding playlist. <laughs> <laughs> that Menomina played at our wedding reception. It did. Um, so f- I've got Frank Oz's filmography up here. So in 82, first film, it's a co-directed one with Jim Henson, was The Dark Crystal. Oh, shit, yeah. And then uh, in 84, he did Muppets Take Manhattan. Yep. Uh, which is the great one where Kermit gets hit by a taxi and loses his memory and thinks he's a real estate salesman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it ends with uh, Kermit and Piggy's wedding. Yeah. Uh, then he did Little Shop of Horrors. The um, amazing musical. Yeah. So this is pretty left field of all of that. Yeah, and so then it was after Little Shop Horrors was this. Ah. Yeah, and this was his first Steve foray. Steve Martin's a bit of a muppet. Well, this uh, Steve Martin guested a buttload of times on the Muppet Show. Uh, has a cameo in the first Muppet movie. Um, actually, have it down, written down. Where is it? Uh, and his little. This little is. Shop. Yeah, this is the third of five collaborations between Frank Oz and Steve Martin. Wow. So, uh, first one being the Muppet movie, then Little Shop of Horrors, then this, then uh, Frank Oz directed House Sitter with Steve Martin and Goldie Horn, and directed Bowfinger. Bowfinger! Mm-hmm. Sorry, my eyes kind of glazed over with a lot of those. I know you're a big Frank Oz fan, but yes. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sub... I'm like, I'm a fan. Yeah. Well, he's also he's, he's I a, love right now that he's just wearing like a basic plastic swatch. Yeah, and he does and like comp- the contrast That's the details, between isn't the it? two characters. Yes. So good. Yeah. I love how the women no who fanny. are like, <laughs> your life's in danger if you tell anyone about me or like mm. my my cause or whatever, and they're just like any chance they get, they're like, your highness, your highness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dana Ivy does it so yes. well later in the film. Um, but yeah, Frank Oz isn't. 
pretty interesting career as a filmmaker. So, like, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels being like, it was a fairly well received. If it didn't do great, I think it was. I'm the, surprised. I think it was the twenty seventh highest grossing film of the year. So really, kind of middle middle of the road. And but you know, it's a very well made film. This and, is like out of. It, what are those other films? Like, don't actually tell me. But I'm I do have the, I do have all the box office up. All right. What was the biggest hit of that year? Uh, I got worldwide, not just okay. US. Worldwide, Rain Man. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Number two, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Fair I enough. got the top twenty. I prefer this to Frank. Twelve of the top twenty are comedies. I'm like, what happened? Okay. Like, it was we used a funny to have kind of year. We used to have a lot of big comedies. Comedy. Yeah, coming to America, Twins, Big. Uh, Midnight Run, Naked Gun, <laughs> Working Girl, Beetlejuice, Fish Called Wanda. Fuck! Scrooged. <laughs> Fuck! Like, great year. And so, yeah, it, it... That's a great year for comedy. It got $42 million at the global box office. So, I would say a Fish Called Wanda, because I was going to mention this to you, but, like, in terms of favourite comedies, mm-hmm. I would rate Fish Called Wanda above this. I really need to rewatch that movie. I have not I seen it. No. love a Fish Long Called time. Wanda. Well, um, on that note, uh, do you want to hear some alternate casting? Okay. Because John Cleese was actually the first person approached to play Lawrence. Oh, I'm so oh. glad he didn't. He's yeah. so aggressive. Sorry, actually second person. Okay. Because the film was actually originally written for Mick Jagger and David Bowie. Who? Which oh. one would be... Oh, okay. Oh. David Bowie would be Michael Caine. Yes. And... <laughs> <laughs> you just imagine pouty Mick Jagger in that swimsuit, did yes! you? Yes! <laughs> no! Not funny! Yeah. That would be an awful film. That no offense. Awful... Even... Bowie can fucking act, though. That doesn't matter. It's, it's Mick wrong. Mick Jagger cannot. <laughs> yeah, but it's wrong. Even if John Cleese played Michael Caine, mm. play Ma- played Lawrence, <laughs> um, he's so, like, aggressive. Whereas Michael Caine has an air about him. He's... He's genteel. Mm. Yeah. He's thought he he thinks before he speaks. Yes. Um, so then the role I uh, was offered to John Cleese, um, but he declined. Uh, oh he then admitted in a 2008 interview that he regretted not taking the part. Uh, in one of Michael Caine, uh, sorry Michael Palin's published diaries, he confirmed that Cleese was really reluctant. He reluctantly turned down the role and was kind of. Bummed he couldn't he, do it. That same year he came out with a fish called Wonder, so don't worry about it. I think he it. was a bit... Yeah, he got nominated for a bunch of Oscars <laughs> instead. Um, Palin then wrote that he received a phone call from Frank Oz. And he I flew out to say, New York. John Cleese, I'm like, I would have thought that Michael Palin maybe was ah. more up for one of these. Yeah, so Palin, Either of them in Palin flew to New York, did read the script, met with Frank Oz, and then after talking about it, he, he said, like, I don't think I'm right for this role. Oh, okay. So he kind of turned it down himself. Um, some interesting one, uh, apparently Eddie Murphy was approached for Freddy. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, it, but this isn't a good but, Eddie Murphy period. Yeah, good Eddie Murphy of the time. Hmm. Yeah. Nah, I can see it. I can see it, but It nah. would be, the problem with that is it would become an Eddie Murphy film. Yeah. As opposed to... Well, Coming to America was that year as well. Yes. Surprisingly, so, it's not a Steve Martin film. No, it, that's what's... Gr- and I say this as Steve, being a, Steve Martin being my hero. <laughs> like, it is... Yeah. I know. Uh, there's I know. something about when, when <laughs> Steve Martin gets excited about something. Like, when he's... I don't know. There's something like... I just, in my head, think Chris. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I, don't know. I love I love him so much. 
Yeah, but I, I've got a story for you about accepting roles and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So Michael Caine, uh, Frank Oz, obviously after he's gone through every other uh, name in the book, uh, approached Michael Caine and said, oh, I've got a role for you, um, and uh, it's going to take part like eight weeks in the French Riviera. Oh, yes. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're going to be given a villa while you while we film. So when mm-hmm. they thought, hey, to get an actor yeah. of Michael Caine statue, we've really got to... Sweeten yeah, the pot. sweeten the pot. Yeah. And anyway, so the villa was situated to next to two of his friends. Do you have that written down? Yes, Chris? I do. Uh, so the villa that they'd rented for him was in between uh, the composer Leslie Bricuse and Sir Roger Moore. <laughs> so two very good friends yeah. of his, and he's like, they're like, we'll send a script over. He's like, ah, oh, don't worry. I'll do it. There's a great YouTube that video. Like of- a nice holiday. There's a great YouTube video of Kane like doing his talking like through some of his famous roles and. T- him telling that story. He's just like, and they said they were sending their script over. I'm like, oh, don't bother. <laughs> He's just like, oh, oh yes, this is great. So, I'm going to bring up uh, the different forms of comedy here because as we're speaking, uh, yeah, Steve the, Martin's just lurched back into the thing because his jennies are being measured. Um, it's oh, too much gel, too much too gel. Too much gel. This is so gross, but is he doing it on purpose because he's trying to get No, it to looks like that's how quickly. much he has in his. But that before was quite clearly physical comedy. Yes. Situational comedy is definitely a thing. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not an expert on comedy, Chris. Do you yep. know all the different forms? Oh my god! Like, how long have you got? Okay. So, what would you say is represented in this film, or something that we see a lot of? So, there's definitely the physical with Steve Martin. Yeah. There's low brow with Rupert. There's high brow. But I would put Rupert into physical as well. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, it, it's very not cerebral, but like it's it's very witty. <laughs> We've sent it to Palpatine. Yeah. Um, yes. Wipe them out. All um, of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, such a good little... <laughs> <It's> like, huh? <laughs> See, when Steve Martin does it, he never actually, like, even when he's being good later, like, oh, yeah. so good, this bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's fly. Yeah. He's taking a slash. In that video as well, Kane t- talking about oh the film. God, I just want this... Cool. Sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt. Um, I want to go Kane talking about it, he's like, he got so much credit for because he wasn't really a comedic actor. No. He got a lot of credit for this, and he's like, because he knew, like, he and Steve got on really well, and they knew the dynamics of the characters, and it's, Kane just has to play it. Like, he's like, my job was just to not break. Yeah. And to be that perfect kind of wall for Steve to bounce off the of. The straight man. Yeah. And he does it so charmingly. He's not dry or annoying playing the straight man. He's very... You, like, I say that he's sitting there looking real frumpy. But, right, but, but, but that makes him funny. All yeah. that pompousness about him. But you're right, like, the straight man is, you know, could be seen as not as much of a fun role. But yeah. But it's I think necessary in, for a comedy. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think in this one, the straight man is absolutely really fun like he gets to ha- he gets to man. play with it later when he's like whipping him with the yes. like, yes. um, like the whole character of the doctor itself yeah whereas, he gets to play whereas say um like O'Brien for example mm. what's that actor's name Graham like? Chapman oh yes um all he does is complain and whine and I'm not saying it's bad but he's the straight man right mm. where all the lunatics are around him 
not as much, Which is, not as fun. That was kind of Chapman's role as well, because he's King Arthur and Holy Grail as well. Yeah, yeah, not um, as much fun. I know he wanted to be more more fun and more outrageous, because he could be that. But mm. I, I think he got pigeonholed a bit, and he, as he was the, a as man. the yeah. the charming, handsome lead. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I think that's such a good cut. Like the scene transition. This editing. That's what I mean. Got it, choice. Yeah. I know. I was saying before about the. I concentrate on the comedy, but like when you think about it, there's such like it's very well made. That's what I mean. Like by watching it as a black and white film, I really paid attention to the yeah. shot construction, and uh, it's it's not a showy film. It's a very traditional way. Shot like a lot of the shot composure is very traditional, yeah, but it's, it's not showy. It's clever. It's letting the acting and the script and the story be the flash. Yeah, and and that's what I was gonna. I was saying before when we were at the station scene. Um, I feel like the audience are along with the dupe, but then we're duped, and I think it's a little bit hard to remember because we've seen it so many times. But mm. how you feel in a scene, and then how the editing or the the shot choice or the cutting or the, whatever it is. Yeah. So you, it's sort of. It dupes you and you're, as an audience, duped. And especially with um, the female character later on who's... Janet. Janet, thank you. Um, you know, we we believe that she's legit for yes. most of the film. Mm. And because Glenn Headley crushes it yeah. in that role. May she rest in peace. May she rest in peace. But but we must stop talking about that right away. Mm-hmm. Because... Two princes. I'm going home with two princes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Because this is the most important part of the whole film, and we must, we must talk about it. Um, do, you, do you remember back when we were at, at film oh. school? It was back in the like first eras of smartphones, yeah. and you could have like backgrounds on your phone. And so, like on my Samsung thing, it was flip just it, yeah, the Samsung flip phone. Yes, that I had. it was that. just Ruprecht's face <laughs> sitting there with his trident. <laughs> So before, like that's how my, yeah. before we meet him, I have to say this this would not hold up today. It is not PC, but yeah. I wouldn't change anything about it. No. Now I love this, I love this. So Michael Caine is just as funny as Rupert because of this. Because so he locked the you. gate behind him. He's like, uh, let's he's, he's special, but but no sudden moves. Yeah. <laughs> The better thing, like, I, it, I mean, it's so understated and perfect, but I'm just thinking, like, if it went one to go that extra step, it's like, take her earrings off or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no sudden moves. moves. Yeah. So good. Just the way he puts the hand out, like... <laughs> <laughs> and why is there a tire swing, like, in an eight a portrait of Napoleon above his bed. And like, a random everything. deer, like... Oh, oh, it's so good. You've it's been banging your pots again. <laughs> This, this is one of, like, you say this a lot in life, Lee. Just that, what do I say? You, periodically just like, you've been banging your butt. <laughs> you say it a lot. I never noticed that there's toilet, toilet paper yes, like, out know. of the toilet. Everything is fabulous. It's the fact that he doesn't even have... Those monkey room. slippers. The I, toilet. I like oh, those paper up the... <laughs> I love that Steve Martin almost, in a way, underplays it. He's not, like, full-blown, oh, straight away, but he's like, you can see him trying to... Oh, get off, get off. It, it's he's levels. To, he's, he's a guy who he, he's trying to restrain himself yeah. whilst being out completely outrageous at the same time. Up the seas. Yeah. So he's like, I'm, I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm yeah. cool. There's, it, there's the one point later on, there's the one line... With like a later version of Rubric that I'm like, eh, a little too far. I'll point it out when we get to it. Okay, mother. Mm. Not she doesn't question not why mother. he has an American accident. I, I've always thought, <laughs> and it's like whatever. Um, 
But Michael Caine is just as funny as reprinting this bit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) And then he turns into everyone's cat in this bit where he just flings things off the, um, the, the, whatever that is. The, the shelter. <laughs> I just that. noticed as well what, that that whole drapery is just burnt over the stove. <laughs> That's amazing. I'd never the noticed detail. that. detail. I know. Look at him, like, standing there. <laughs> right, right. Yep. <laughs> this bit is the funny... Okay, I've got to talk about this joke. When Uncle Ted came, okay, <laughs> he puts the glove on and starts looming up the glove. That's not the joke. The joke is, what did you do? No, no, no. What did you do afterwards? Apologize. <laughs> yeah. So this bit isn't the joke. The joke is after that. <laughs> we apologize. <laughs> That's the joke. You two find that funny, guys, given being teachers. <laughs> Very much. Um. But I'm gonna say this this is obviously very much physical comedy, mm. but but in a minute where he drags her and he flops her down on the ground, and he says, "Do you want me to get the genital cut?" Watch how he gazelles yes. away. He oh. gazelles no one, away. Like you don't give Steve Martin enough credit for like being elegant. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a master of because his stand-up comedy. Like I mean, what broke him onto the scene was his stand-up, and it's so <laughs> left brain and. <laughs> Is, is stand-up was... You feel like that maybe she's still there. Yes! The jinting of the cutting. Yes, This yes. is That's what I mean, like... And then you're like, oh. Now we have amazing Frances Conroy in one of her early roles. Six... Six feet under. Yeah. yeah, and the best part... The only good part of the Joker. Okay, I haven't seen it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being that. controversial there. Okay, okay. A lot of people love that movie. I do not. Thanks. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yes, Claire's hit it on the note. Like that, that the whole film, you're being duped as well. Yeah, you're like, you, oh, I think I know where it's going, and it doesn't. Do yes. It. Yeah. And and but it gives you exactly what you need to know. Like, how many times have they done this? Yes, know? which is why after the montage, like the first time I, I think the first time I watched it, I was so concentrating on. Steve Martin and Michael Caine that I, you don't comedy, yes. you don't notice that it's different women and so when he says I'm sick of playing Ruprecht the monkey boy you're like how you did many? it once but how many times have yeah, you yeah that's it but yeah. it doesn't matter like you it's been like a... and you're like they're perfected it at this point and the, but that's the thing is it's it? it's seasons as well so it's like has this been a year like yes. or just a month or two like how he long he talks about the end of the season how it's going to quieten down he's going to close up some of the rooms of the house that's mm. one of the last scenes so yeah oh, oh my god but yeah sorry just going back to what I was yes. saying before so Steve Martin obviously became was the world's most famous stand up comedian at a time in the 70s that's kind of what broke him onto like you know into this consciousness of everybody and his stand-up was so left brain and cerebral and weird and wacky and, in, like, oddly intelligent. Um, mm. But it wasn't physical. It's not like a Jim Carrey where he's, like, doing wackiness. And Even in his stand-up. Like, he does that in his stand-up. And it wasn't really... I'm, like, I'm looking at... Like, it wasn't really until probably all of me that Steve Martin really let this, the physicality of his performances come in. If no one's seen all of me, yeah. uh, sorry, not uh, all of me. Sorry, with, I haven't uh, seen it. It's a movie where half of his br- uh, body gets taken over by Lily Tomlin. Oh, 
because a witch doctor was like transporting her soul into someone else's body and then it falls and hits him on the head and so it's like half Steve Martin he's controlling half his it's I amazing I know what I'm watching tomorrow mm-hmm. yeah going through all the original Steve Martin uh, Carl Reiner comedies like there's a reason I've got like an art print of the jerk up in my study yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah we, we were actually discussing whether we'd do the jerk or not yeah cause I've actually never seen it I it it's a tough one to show people now I think because okay. it is so so much a classic it's like 1971 so it's like a nearly it's like a 50 year old film at this point Jesus that's crazy huh and and because of that the pacing and the everything about it is kind of slow ish mm. by modern standards but it's the Rosetta Stone for everything we love in terms of yeah what the fuck is happening right now on this in this this is so weird and un, like yeah 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 it's game changing but yeah I I love it so so much <laughs> yeah I like I think you're right I think he does I'm talking about um, Lawrence here I think he does do what he's saying here he's not yeah. keeping him but he's also presenting. Uh, the the charity he does none of the stuff like he, he's living in a pretty sweet fucking villa like oh yeah he's not talking about that he's talking about the stuff that he knows will deter uh Freddie from <laughs> I also love this like just for no the reason butt. for no reason is about and then they move into shot and then there's a cock <laughs> yeah someone's having a lot of fun like yes Steve Martin does react to it later but. It's funny. It's, it's, it's funny filmmaking. Michael Bauhaus and Frank Oz, they they crushed it making this film, I think. <laughs> it's so <like, laughs> <laughs> and it's so in your face, but it's just it's compared to today's standard, not mm, so much. No, God no. Well that's what's interesting. They set out to make a PG film. There's, Is it PG? It's PG. Oh, there's wow. there's no swearing, there's no nudity. Content like well, that's it's, but it's a fun, larky caper. <laughs> there, there's no nudity. There's no I violence. There's that, no swearing. Though. That's what I mean. It plays like a 1940s movie. Yes. Like it is just fun and yes. light, and it doesn't need to like that. to the point of when it was the whole thing of what what did we do when Uncle Ted came. That scene with the rubber glove and things. That was Steve Martin and Frank Oz came up with it, and they were like. Uh, too far, like because they kind of wanted to keep it reined in. As a as child a... watching that, you wouldn't know what that means. No, no. no um, just being weird. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently, like in when they were first making this film, so the script, uh, the new ver- the script was kind of presented to them and things, and they signed on. And then apparently, Steve Martin and Frank Oz just sat down and were like, "Let's go. Let's let's rework this." Like uncredited, of course. Like they make it, it their own. And Frank Oz is very much so like. When you have someone who is such an intelligent writer as Steve Martin on your, like, working on that with you, you let him work on it and kind of help develop it. Because Steve Martin would go <clears throat> in to direct. Uh, no, he has never really directed. Oh, he just written. Ri- he writes. Written, He's written, yes. I think, five, six, no- I think six novels, two plays, what's, and about 10, 15 screenplays. What's the one where he gets told by the billboard to... Oh, L.A. Story. I do not like that film. I know, we've talked and about this. Josh I does. love it. Yes, as yes. Well, yeah. Ah. It's, and Steve Martin has openly said, like, he thinks it's the, his best script he's ever written. It is one of the worst made films he's ever made. Because he and the director did not 
Oh, meat is eye that to not eye. clear? Like the concept, the the, is the concept genius. is good. Yeah, and the weird kind of satire on oh. everyday life and. But like yeah. how this film just cuts and is sharp and crisp and clear and. Yeah, Nick know, Johnson was not a good choice as a director no, for that it, one. It, it, it's from scene to scene. It's a bit muddy. Mm. And it's it's interesting for Martin where where this comes in his career. This really is, this is him at a crossroads, because uh, prior to this, you've got like you know. It, it, it's Man with Two Brains, it's All of Me, it's uh, Three Amigos, then the small role in Little Shop of Horrors as mm-hmm. the dentist. Then he does Roxanne, which he also wrote, the adaptation of Cyrano de Bergerac. Is that um, the one where he has a big nose? Yes. <laughs> yes. And he's, he's helping the guy woo the girl, but he's actually in love with the girl. Like It's, a, it's the retelling of Cyrano, but it's so... Amazing, and I've he never, wrote it. I've only seen it since, haven't seen it since I was a kid, and all I remember mm. is him sniffing out a fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, directed by Fred Skepsi in Australia. Oh. Uh, but then after that is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and this. So it, it's, it's, and then Parenthood. Like he's trans, an LA story. He's transitioning away from the style of like the wacky kind of cookie cutter common, like comedy. Yes, and cookie yes. cutter is probably not even a right no. word, but he's transitioning to more. Adult films. Maybe in terms of the characters he's choosing. So here he's he's the unmarried man. He's the younger kind of thing, and then like Parenthood. I mean, shit. Yeah, this is he's three years off playing George Banks and Father of the Bride. Father of the Bride, which is such a different, like that is a stepping stone role to a different type of What's career. What's your thoughts on Father of the Bride? I had never seen them until lockdown. We were in lockdown last year. And Claire showed them to me. And I really like them. So yeah. much that he even sat down and watched Father of the Bride Part 3, the Zoom... Part 3-ish, <laughs> as it's called. The yeah. Zoom thing with you I as well. love yeah. this reveal. Fucking Glenn Headley, man. She, is, she was amazing. She definitely holds her own in this. In terms of the way that you don't expect, she's such a weakling. Yes. But not... It, it's I that, love that. Yeah, she she was a relative unknown at this point. Like, a, I think she'd done a lot of stage acting and things. Not much film and TV. Um, apparently, Sean Young was offered the role and turned it down. To Who the do, hell is that? Uh, Ace Ventura, uh, Einhorn, the police detective. <laughs> um, Rachel. This is Rachel in Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, shit. she's in Stripes with Bill Murray. Like, yeah. yeah. She was offered the role, but turned it down to do a really bad movie called The Boost. <laughs> like much of her career, she turned it down to do a way worse movie. Wow! Wouldn't you just kick yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, no, but it's it's the same sort of thing. Like, I'm sure if she was in it, we'd be like, I, I, I can't I, believe we we couldn't see anybody. Like, no, no, no. I I'm seri- I could not stand. I don't think she's right for the role at all. And it's that's what's so. Uh, kind of interesting about all the alternate casting of for this one. It's it's done it is so perfect how it is that it's I cannot imagine anyone else in that yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. It has to be Glenn Headley yeah. as Janet Colgate. It can't be She's so gentle and just gonna interrupt because I like this kind of shit. So I looked up at smartasset.com. Um fifty thousand dollars in nineteen eighty eight US that is is now like one hundred and thirteen thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that's almost double. So everything that they're doing, just think that's double. That's double. That's and a lot. Fifty thousand dollars is a lot. Is still a lot. But, but it's a like, hundred thousand. You got hundred thousand. You're like fuck. Because like 
in many places in America, you can buy houses for way less. Yeah. That's true. We're in a very expensive place yeah. Yeah, in the world. Mm. Yeah. I love how he puts the thing, the chips near her, and she's like... And he's, uh, it's so skeezy. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't play. It's a different play. feel to the other one, and it's because he knows that she's so much younger than him, I believe. And I love the fact that the film points that out. It points it out, and at no point does he consider her, like Steve Martin does, a, a prospect in the way. And even at the end when he's like, we're changing the bet to be about shagging her, he goes, I'm not betting to win. In, I'm betting that words, you will lose. Lose. It's, it's, great. it's a great, int- smart way to do do it it's because that's not him that's not his character if he was yeah he she's knows that. Fuck. yeah he's, he's at a loss but he really thinks that steve munn is such a dumbass that oh whatever i'll just do it but he would never pick her normally it, it's the thing of the selfish selfishness of steve martin's character like he which is why he can't understand <laughs> so to cut away to andre he can't understand the whole reason of like why you would you know want to give money back to the community and things. I, I always thought, though, why doesn't, like, <laughs> Lawrence at this point just be like, cool, I just want, like, a hundred grand at the <laughs> roulette wheel. Freddie, have this and fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Freddie, he's a dumbass, but he's also, he's kind of smart. Now enter Major Freddie Benson. <laughs> Look at his face. He's trying to be all innocent. Oh, sorry. Just the kicking in the chair. Okay. So I'm sure some listeners will be at this point possibly screaming into their headphones like, why have we nearly an hour in and how have they not talked about it? This is something I was kind of sitting on for a while. We talked about the remake of this film, The Hustle. Just very briefly, yes. Were you aware, Lee, that this film itself is a remake? No. Yep. No! Yes. Uh, this is a remake of a 1964 film called Bedtime Story. So much so that it's a, of a remake that it's the same character names, it is the same setting, even down to, like, Lady Fanny of Omaha and Jesus. stuff. Jesus! Now I feel like a, I don't know, a Philistine. N- no, right. but this is, like, a whole thing that I kind of want to get into. Because that movie, I, wa- I tracked down a copy of it in the last week and I watched it. I'm glad. it is terrible. Why would they remake a terrible film? This is, like, my favourite thing ever. That is exactly what Michael Caine said to Frank Oz. He's like, why would you want to remake Bedtime Story? That is a terrible film. And Frank Oz said, it's, it's, a, not, it's a terrible film, but it is a great idea. Let's ah. take that idea and, like, th- there's something there. Let's yeah. make a good film out of it. Yeah. Which is what I feel about remakes in general. Like, I, I'm definitely going to say, I'm just so interested in this, but I am just, I, it hurts my brain to think about like... why Steven Spielberg has remade West Side Story. W- why? West Side Story is an f- amazing film that still holds up to this day. Why remake a film that won Best Picture and still works? Why, why remake oh, something man. that was they got right? Yes. Why not go yes. back? And you think about all the rem- the. When you say, like, what's a good remake? The, like, the instant this. one. <laughs> the instant ones that come to my mind is, like, The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yep. Cronenberg's The Fly. I mean, you know, classic. That's a remake? Yeah, yeah, of a Vincent Price horror film. Um, it's, like, all of these, like, the classic examples. It's films that were not good originally, and <laughs> directors have come in and been like, there's something good there. Let's see what we can do with it. Yeah, 
that's interesting. That's a, you know what? If you ever wanted to like study your doctorate, <laughs> yeah, that's what that would do. be an interesting research thing. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's, but but it's, it's the same kind of thing with music, but music mm. is a lot more forgiving. and, and um, it, It's like we're, we're straight, straight cover versions that sound exactly like the song. You're like, why? why? So well, that's a cover so, band at a wedding. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, there, I, sorry, I'm going to talk about this for a second. Mm-hmm. There's covers and then there's remix. And yes. um, uh, there's covers where I feel like if you're a cover, you're recreating the song in a new genre or in some kind of new way. Yeah. So, it's not a straight yeah. remake. Um, you're actually taking, watching. You've got inspiration. You're using it, but you're still creating your own art through it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I'm just going to have to look this up because I didn't realize we were going to talk about this. But um, Phil Collins. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so he um, did a cover of a famous song by the um, yeah by. Um, Okay, um, it's like one of his best songs, and I, it's 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 on my brain. We're not in the air tonight. No, no. Um, Susudio. No. <laughs> what other songs are there? Yeah, I know, right? Um, it, uh, what's that? Uh, three girl group. Never mind. Anyway, let's go. Yeah, I was about to say waterfalls. <laughs> Did Bill Collins cover waterfalls? No. Oh. It was for the Tarzan soundtrack. <laughs> Tarzan goes to shower. <laughs> okay. Three girl group. Continue talking about okay. film. <laughs> I will find it. But um, yeah, that, like just going back to the remake thing, I think like Frank Oz just nailed it. That's and it's it's that's the thing. Like if don't remake good films. Like Hollywood executives, if you're listening and you're not, but if you are, <laughs> don't don't take good films and remake them because they were profitable. Like, I get that films are business and that's all you want to do, but take something that kind of flopped or didn't really connect and just rework it somehow. Like, make it different. Make it your own and you'll have something brand new and original and like this. That um, I, did, I only found out in the research that this was a remake. And can I just uh, say, yeah. don't do a role reversal no. female power thing. I oh, am... you mean panda? <laughs> yeah. I'm a female and I'm saying this. Yeah. I do not appreciate remakes that are female versions role reversals. Yeah. And I and you know what, Chris, you once said this to me and it rings true. I think it's way more powerful to create a brand new story yeah. and have strong women in it than it is to uh, you know, not. No, yeah. sorry, I was trying not- to be stigma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but it, it's yeah, it's the thing of like later this year when the Bond film finally comes out, we're gonna have that discourse again where it's why can't James Bond be a woman? And Jane like, Bond, just because that's not what it's a classic character from literature. Like, don't like give why create is it so a so bad to be a man. Yeah, and also just create. Give, uh, it's way better make, to make, make something a, new. Make a lady spy that's great. Yes, exactly. You know, it's way better than Bond, even. Like, create something wholly original for a woman. Don't don't just recycle garbage. Because oh. I love James Bond, but a lot of that is garbage. Yeah, but that's fine. You don't. It doesn't always have to be, you know, first class. You yeah, know. As, as I've been saying for years since I first read, there's an amazing Grant Morrison comic book series called Velvet. I think there's like three compiled volumes. Uh, it's so fucking great. It's basically like, what if Money Penny, 
was secretly skimming money off the top for years and then fucked everyone over and killed them and went on the run. Hmm. Make that movie. Yeah, if you want to do this James Bond switch. Yeah, Money Penny fucks over and kills James Bond and then goes on the run and becomes an international assassin. Do that. <laughs> that that comic book, just plug in that Grant Morrison comic from like five, ten years ago. It's great. <laughs> um, can I just interlude with uh, this uh, set with the pink and the green is so in vogue right now. Mm. So basically, if you want to have like a sweet ass house, you've got to think Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I you've watched, nailed it. Yeah, Claire's Girls. just, I came home and Claire's sitting on the couch. I'm like, are you watching Golden Girls? She started from season one. Yes! <laughs> I'm like, what else is there to do? It's almost holidays. I'm like, um, are you a Blanche? Where, where, <laughs> which one are you? <laughs> um, but also, I have stayed in a hotel in Athens that is the like spitting image of that scenery like, like they, it, they haven't it, updated it it like. felt updated but it was still that level it was the same color palette everything yeah and I'm just that's like, in vogue it's very yeah, fashionable it, maybe now. it's just very you know mediterranean sea fancy hotel style yeah i think one of the fanciest hotels i ever stayed in nice <laughs> the subtle thing of him reading a german newspaper that's yeah oh. But Little details. Say, so, okay, this is what I was trying to say on the, the train scene, is that they're not aggressive, and it's probably not the right term, but they're, they're, they, they appear to not be trying to have a conversation with the person, with the woman. They're like, okay, goodbye. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even Steve Martin, in his way in that train cart scene, he's not talking to her, he's just talking. And... I love that because that. What does that do? It draws the other character in. Mm. It's very clever. Um, side note: I just noticed through the window my neighbor's about to start playing the trumpet. <laughs> if, that, if, that, if that picks up on the mic, apologies. It's just a nice backing vocal. Did it's you, a backing. Do you literally course. have a trumpet playing neighbor in your yeah, I can apartment? Yeah, downstairs. Yeah, that is so funny. Have you not never heard it before? No. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to start like playing the drums, but I live in an apartment building. I'm like, well, I can't. I oh, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah, but apparently, <laughs> playing the trumpets, okay? That's for people in houses. Mm. Um, we haven't talked much about Kane as an actor in general. We've talked a lot about the character, but you've talked a lot about Steve Martin. Yes, so I, I think we need to do a shift over. Less <laughs> fatigue of living with Chris for yeah. so many years. One day, I'm going to get you to read his autobiography, and you'll be like, oh, I get it. Oh, I feel like I'm reading Chris's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the fucking best. He got his star working at the magic shop at Disneyland. Yeah, I, Come on, yeah, I <laughs> wow. You do know to, a lot. We had to go yeah. into the magic shop at Disneyland <laughs> because Steve Martin used to work there. <laughs> Not because he wanted to buy anything or see something. Oh, I didn't want to buy anything at Disneyland. You made me get that goofy hat. <laughs> yeah, I did. I'll post Good. pictures. It's fine. <laughs> Um, I'm a nerd. What up? <laughs> what up? But um, Michael Caine, I knowing that we were going to be recording this, I wanted to go back and watch some of his older films because, like we said, Frank Oz, it, it was an odd choice to get him to do this role. Like he what is a winning choice, though. So so odd. Oh yeah, amazing. This is I. Uh, what is it? It's a year and a half, two years after him winning his first Oscar. Hannah and Her Sisters, the Woody Allen film. Yes. The one of five okay Woody Allen films. <laughs> like, controversy aside, I just don't think Woody Allen is that good of a film. He makes maker. a lot of films like 
you know, he's, he's the Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Statistically, some have to hit. Yeah. And some of them, separating art from artist, are fantastic still. Yeah. And that is Pepper one of Rose them. Pepper Rose of Cairo. Yes. Uh, Annie Hall, Manhattan, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Then like a 20-year gap. Some modern ones like, uh, Midnight what was in the Paris. tennis one? Matchpoint? Matchpoint. Uh, it was okay. <laughs> Midnight in Paris, I think, is really Midnight good. in Paris is amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on. Why are we talking about Woody Allen? Um, but yeah, it, it's. I wanted to go back and watch a bunch of kind of older Kane films because I was like, is. Initially, I was like, was he really that well known at that time or whatever? And it's like, oh no, yeah, he is like. Won his first Oscar, had it like five nominations before that. Like he is. He is big news right big, now. Big, big news. And so, like, <laughs> went back and watched uh, Alfie. Yeah. The original Alfie. Uh, Claire and I watched Get Carter. Yeah. The gangster British gangster movie. Yeah, 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 and it yeah, yeah. is hardcore. Yes, yes, yes. It, it's great seeing I've realized why where I like Michael Caine the most is when he's playing against against type. Where like in Get Carter, he's playing a horrible son of a bitch. So what's type though then? What is the type? Suave Alfie, like that either that or like suave, charming like I won't say every man, but like just the British confidence, I guess. Because I think he's... I. This is interesting that you've brought this up because I don't think Michael Caine is posh. I think he's been typecast as posh because he's old and has a British accent. But if you know anything about Michael Caine, he ain't posh. No, no, he talks in such a great... So that's, I think yeah. this is... This is... This is opposite. Yeah. It's, I, some of my favorite, like, I love him in Mona Lisa, the Neil Jordan gangster movie with Bob Hoskins. Like, he's so sinister and amazing in that. Um, but, like, going forward to some, like, I think our generation, what was your first introduction to him? Because I think. Mate, I, don't, I couldn't tell you. Because there's one for me, and it's tying yes. it all back into the Frank Oz of it all. Yes. Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> him yes! playing Scrooge. <gasps> That would be mine. That would 100% yeah. be mine. Because that was like yeah. 1993. Yes, yes, so, yes, 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 yes. And so, always in the back of my head, Michael Caine has always kind of been... The angry fucker. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> who then gets to sing and dance with some Muppets. Like, <laughs> but it, 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 like, I guess he's because really... Christmas Carol is such a classic story, it's that whole, he's that classical British actor. Yes. So when you see him not doing something like that... You're saying that's against... No, I'm, I'm saying that's totally on type for Michael Caine. Ah. Because it's Scrooge. Like, it is a classic character. Gotcha. Um, like, against type for, for Michael Caine, to me, is Children of Men. Where he plays, like, the weird weed smokers. Yeah. Like, you want to hear some weird industrial that metal? Is, that, is a deep, that is a deep card. And yes, yes, yes. If anyone hasn't seen Children of Men, you need to. It is fucking... I love that film. Yeah. And I love him in that film because... Okay, sorry. Pull my finger? Yeah, but oh. also, like, he's he's us. Like, it's yeah. that far into the future that we would be his he's age. Our, and, it's, and he pop nails our generation. Uh, he yeah. nailed our generation, like, 50 years before. And the fucking crazy. scene when he... I mean, slight spoilers. If, you, if you've never seen Children of Men, skip ahead 15 seconds. When yeah. he puts on <laughs> fucking Ruby Tuesday and, like, gives the suicide stuff to... And then... Oh. So good. And then the pull my finger, and then it's the shooting, and then it's like, and then his response is like, "Fuck you, mate!" Yeah. <laughs> and he gets that real dirty. Ah, yeah. oh, he's he's amazing. All right, we have to talk about this scene though, where with this wire, fake flower that he's whipped 
out of the vase. Mm-hmm. And Steve Martin, I'm sorry, I know we're talking about Michael <laughs> Caine, but this scene, Steve Martin, where he's like putting his fingers to his temples, he's like, I'm really trying to concentrate. But really, he's trying to Crying his eyes out. But it works to the story. It's so cleverly done. It's like he's it's working to the story of him being so happy to see this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so funny. It is so funny. Um, that, that physical comedy coming back in again. So quickly jumping back to the original, the bedtime story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm intrigued. Okay, so who would... 1964? I mean, probably... If I were to ask you, like, who would you cast in these roles? You got, I'm guessing you're like, all right, all right. I don't know, but I'm thinking actors of the time. Um, what's that little guy from, oh, Miss Horry. Miss uh, Horry, uh, um, sorry. Horry oh, Gorriri. You're offensive Horry Gorriri. What's that? that what's oh, that? Mickey Rooney. <laughs> I was like, are you doing a horribly offensive Asian accent? I'm like, oh no, you're doing Mickey Rooney from Blake from the Tippies. So yeah. So I'm thinking that for Steve Martin. Okay. And um, what's his face? Um, Cary Grant or something for... Uh, yeah. The guy... Yeah, cool. We'll go, yeah. J- Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. No. It's got to be British. Um, what's his name from... Raymond Holiday. Ah, uh, what's his name? Oh, um... Uh, and, 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 yeah. Cool, that guy. Uh, He's also killing in, me. What the, why am I um, blanking on Roman Holiday? You know, uh, that famous book that was also a film? Oh, no, Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck! Who is, is he also, American? He's American, but oh, yeah. damn it. But no, right here, he's like, the most yeah. British American there ever was. No, no, Cary Grant is the most <laughs> British American ever. I'm Cary Grant. Anyway, okay, hit me. Who's the... Uh, so the Lawrence Jamison role that Michael Caine is playing is David Niven. You've got a glazed sure. over look, so there's a photo of David Niven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Actually, they've mimicked his moustache a little bit. Well, that's why Michael Caine wanted to have a moustache in reference to David Niven, because he was such a huge fan. Oh, because it's interesting, because he, yeah. he, he viewed this film, the original of this film, to be shit. But he loved uh, Niven. The actor. Yeah. Oh. See, it doesn't suit him. That's why he looks gross in yeah. this film. Uh, in the Freddie Benson role... Yep. You ready for this? Okay. Marlon Brando. No. <laughs> no. No! Yes. Wow. Even in the wheelchair, and just be like, I gotta get over my grand grand. <laughs> like, so, like, that's... Yes. That's, <laughs> yes. It's not like... It's the like, only thing that's not in at the end is the actual twist where Janet is the jackal. This is this seems to be a purely this film thing because even the remake of the remake of this film, The Hustle, you're, we we don't know, but we don't think her character exists. Yeah, is that right. Yeah. So her character makes this film. The, yeah, it's so much better. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Take a nice idea that didn't quite execution didn't work and make it better. Yeah, interesting. Marlon Brando as the Freddie Benson role is fucking terrible. Like. Wow. And this is, like, not even, like, Marlon Brando slumming it. This is, like, he fucking post, like, all quiet on the Western Front and things. This is, what, 1964. So it's, what, five years off the graduate... Uh, off, off the Godfather? Like, it's not that far. <laughs> like, That's it's, crazy, man. It's insane. And it is... 
it's pretty bad. There yeah. you can yeah, there's a narrator even, like ugh. ugh. Yeah. And it's all told in like a picture book kinda of, yeah. See, I'm Don't interested. watch bedtime story. I'm not interested <laughs> in the hustle and I'm not interested in bedtime. Isn't that interesting though? Like the remake is like this, you know, in our opinion, fabulous film. Yes. One of my favourite comedies. Yeah. And yeah, it's weird. Because it hits all the notes perfect and it understands exactly what it's trying to be, what it's trying to execute. And it does it. But do you know what? I've got to say this. So if there was a remake of something now, you would what would your brain say? In automatically, automatically your brain in my brain would say, it's gonna be shit. Mm. Because remakes have been done to death lately. It 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 depends like when you said that, like why I pause for a minute is because I'm trying to think of like a bad film that could be remade well. Like and I'm I'm just trying to like, you know, that, that that's what I mean. But they that's not what they do anymore. They they remake Good things films. because they're brand names. That's like why we have a Robocop remake. It's why we have all of all we have them. Ghost we have the fucking fourth version of Ghostbusters coming out this year. It's like um I say fourth because let's not forget evolution, everybody. Yeah, you, you must see it remake. But um for me it's all the Disney. So I was a mad Disney fan growing up as a little kid. And Disney was Fifthly untainted, everything they put out was pretty fucking rad. And then recent times, it's all these remakes that are terrible. And they're not even good. They're not saying anything new. You buy the mouse. The brand of the mouse. You oh. buy it. <laughs> um, buy it, everybody. You'll love it. You know this. But moving back into the actual film we're talking about. Like the last um, original good Disney film was like Lilo and Stitch. Well, that's just like your opinion, that's your man. Opinion, man. Uh, like, cause it, I mean, I suppose you could call things like Tangled and, oh, sorry, Frozen. Frozen? I, yeah. I like Frozen. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm thinking... Which is like... 2002. Yeah. Well, Jesus, Wally? that's like 20 years that's ago. That's Pixar. Pixar is Disney. Pixar, no, that was the last Pixar film made by Pixar and released by Disney, and then Disney started having creative control over... You know too much, Which Chris. is why everything since Wally has been... With the exception of Inside Out and Soul and Coco. It's just been Cars 2, 3, Toy Story 3, 4, Incredibles 2. Okay. Brand, you know this, buy it. Uh Ah, totally. And that's the, but that goes into the whole point of remakes in general. It's, films are remade today because you see a trailer for it. Audiences see a trailer for it and they're like, hey, I know that name. I'll go see that. I am stupid. Take my money. Fast and the Furious 9 is in cinemas now, everybody. Fast and the Furious 9. Wow. <laughs> but I didn't even see one, so I don't know. It's not my cup of tea, but anyway. I love Steve Martin pushing his wheelchair down the stairs. <laughs> in, in, in the uh, Marlon Brando version, he flies into a barn and a chicken flies out. Oh, <laughs> He doesn't act, he's not pretending to put it down the stairs, he actually rolls down the stairs. Ah. Apparently, Frank Oz, they tried to rig up something to make that happen, but it was, like, cost prohibitive, because this actually had a fairly... They spent the money on the scenery. And I was going to say, this is not a cheap film to make. Because instant production value. You actually go to the locations you want to go, you hire the places out, and then you're like, the money's on the screen. Why, and so they're like, eh, it's a lot funnier if we just have Steve pretend exactly. to do it. Exactly. Imagine they had have done him. Like, he like goofily going down the stairs. Like, down the stairs. Like, it's treated character. Just because it was in the original. 
Like, and yeah, it's like, nah, you don't have to do yeah, that. No, 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 no. This is way better. Mm-hmm. I like even that he does each step at a time and looks back. Like, good oh. But I also love Michael Caine's, uh, like, he, he tried to do his thing at the, um, the casino, like his usual stint. Mm. That didn't work. And so he's just completely playing off. He's pivoted so yeah. hard. And he's winning. And he wins, really. So that scene would theoretically continue with him just like actually going down. But it's so much better like this. Because self preservation is uh, this because character's it's, Because it's one also thing. a dupe to the audience. We think he's slipped on this yes. chair because of that previous shot. And it's like, oh, no, no. All, all, everything that these guys do is a con. Yeah. Even on us as the audience. Even on us as the audience. The editing and the, everything is... Yeah. Uh, this is also where part of the money went was to this beach. Because it's sand. They built this beach at this villa. What? Because it was all... It's just this little strip. Yeah. But because it was there are no real sand beaches there. I was say, like, where in the Riviera is this sand? Yeah, but they were like, no, nah, it needs to be... A sand beach because it's like that whole romantic thing. Like, yeah. I have to just interlude here with Janet. Mm-hmm. Her character, she is knowledgeable. She is in the know. She knows that she's working with con artists, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't kind of work it out halfway through. She knows from the beginning mm-hmm. she's working. But you can't tell. You cannot even like. That's not even a best. tiny like, bit. Not like in rewatching this a thousand times. Like you can watch a scene like this. And you're you're on the Janet character and, and, and what she's thinking and feeling and all this sort of thing and um, her innocence yeah. seems to really be there. Yeah, and it's we it's can amazing. tell that the other two are acting. How can you achieve that on multiple watches? It, it's it's such a credit to her performance. Later. Yeah, um, but I think as well that like she picks and chooses the moments to. I think there's, like, a knowing look in her eye. Like, like even that's how... Whether or not that, that's me putting it onto no. the character, but... Do you know what it is? Okay, so he's... It's not this scene, but it's earlier when he's at the bar with her and it's she's left the gambling table and then he turns mm. over and there's the, the couple are dancing and she's like... Oh, God, oh. they're dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before, prior, just prior to that moment, she's like, Oh, my God. Oh my god! <laughs> like this, like not even really. Like yeah, that's the only time it's like clear that she's acting. And like you rewatch this, and you can be like, kind of here in this little scene, a tiny her. bit where she's just like, oh, I'm sure there's a million women who would want to kiss you, Fred. Yeah, You're charming. Yeah. <laughs> but then, no, to me, it's the part where she's like, walk to me, Freddie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she's she's just do it. has a smile on her face, and you know, it's just like. Look at this fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) She's, yeah. She's the jackal. Yeah. She's amazing. I I cannot imagine anyone else in that role. Right? She's Uh, so perfect for it. Imagine being up against those two big, big, big actors. Yeah. Not just that, but like... Mega stars. Mega stars. Like that's the thing. Like the, those, both of those guys are capital M movie stars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And like that's what's kind of great about Frank Oz doing it. I think that kind of levels the playing field. Like, because he himself, like, the, like he is a 
massive star, but nobody knows him. Mm. Like, everybody knows Miss Piggy. And fucking Yoda. But, Yoda. But they don't know Frank Oz. Like, having that... So it's like, dude could have a massive ego if he wanted, but it's... And I think the idea of being... Like, bringing that puppetry background and that performance ele- element behind the scenes... You're apparently... always hidden. You're always... You don't ever yeah. get your moment. Like, I... I had to look up what Frank Oz looked like. Yeah. Really? He yeah. looks exactly like you would imagine him sound... Because have you heard him talk as well? No. He sounds kind of like Fozzie Bear. <laughs> Kind of just like, very nasally. But but he's. I'm I'm surprised that you think it's surprising that I don't know what he looks like. Okay, yeah. Because I think you're Chris and you like film. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Lee and I like film, but but like Frank Oz is kind of one of those hidden. That is so sad. Because as well, he stepped back as a performer. He's he's not an actor. Actor like the the only times he actually performed, you see his face as a performer is like cameos in John Landis films. He's the guy who's getting John Belushi out of prison at the beginning of Blues Brothers. The one prophylactic used. That's him. See, yeah. but that's a that's a filmy, filmy, filmy thing. Most mm. of us would be like, yeah. Yeah, Frank Oz has cameos in like three or four John Landis films, always playing like that official. He plays like the US uh, embassy guy in American World in London. I've got to say, this is one of my favourite scenes in the whole film. Oh, he's, like, he's so intelligent he's so onto it and he's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, behind him but uh, that woman with the black hair on the left of screen that is Michael Caine's daughter ah a bit of a cameo yep uh, but it also lays in late like how well the script is done the reason he doesn't give a shit is because he's also a sailor yes like it's it's that like, There's the film... a multi-layer to this, so so we, we, we are right here. <laughs> Oh my god, look at this dude's shirt on the far right. <laughs> the ultimate V-neck down to like his Fuck belly yeah. button. Um, this 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 is an audience moment, duping moment. So we're thinking, yep, they're going to get him, and he's going to be out, and Steve Martin will succeed. Yeah. Um, but even more to later in the moment, like later in the next scene where... Um, uh, Steve Martin's like, Haha, great night, man. That was great. And he's like, glued to the wall. Yes, perfect. But no it's, moment do you like. Are you ever sure yeah. what's going yeah. on? It's, it's so funny. That's what makes that's what makes heist films or con films so interesting. Like the yes. when it's it's basically like we're gonna set up like you, your audience. You want to be conned at the same time as the con is happening. Oh yeah. Like, it's why things like this and Ocean's Eleven work so well. I was going to say, Ocean's Eleven, for example. Because you're not you're privy like, to the whole you're not plan. If, you, if you're part of the heist film that you understand the whole plan, you're like, okay, like, uh, all right. But when, well, you, when you get conned, you're like, ah! And, it, and nothing go and like, when things go wrong, but you don't know that that's actually kind of supposed to be happening, like, mm-hmm. it's exciting for you as an audience. Otherwise, you get Ocean's 13. No, Ocean's 8. Sorry, Ocean's 8. The, again, the crappy... Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on all Lady Remake stuff, but the pro- that was the problem with Ocean's 8. It was just... You'd have to tell me, man. I didn't we, watch we, it. We set, up, we set up our plan. We get our team together. We set up our plan. Here's our con. We do the con. Everything works. The end. Yes! And, and the problem is, we were privy to the planning, and then we saw the plan go off without a hitch, and you're like, okay, well... That wasn't that wasn't fun. Whereas this and Ocean's Eleven and like other great heist and con films, there are twists. 
Yes, twist, twist, twist. And even like on rewatching, you kind of get caught up with it. And the thing is with this film is that you're always trying to get, okay, yeah. like know what happens. So I'm going to like really inspect this film under close microscopic. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. And then like you still don't. Mm. And that's what makes it good, I think. It's. And, and I'm sorry, Chris, never no, no. feel bad about poo-pooing on female versions of things because I'm the number one, too. <laughs> yes. And I am female. But Nobody else worked it out. But it's also, you know, because the internet. <laughs> I don't want it. But um, I, I was just, I, I kind of was thinking, this is kind of Frank Oz's, you could almost do a makeshift trilogy of, he's done three con films. What are the other two? Bowfinger's a con. Oh, for they're, sure. Yeah, they're conning Eddie Murphy yes. into being in a film that he's not... I love how he's Eddie in. Murphy's, like, watching the film back at the end of the cinema. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, he's just like... Huh? <laughs> oh, I gotta show it to the Laker girls. <laughs> <laughs> and then immediately after Bowfinger, he made uh, the film where everyone's like, that's a Frank Oz film. It's a movie called The Score, with Robert De Niro and Ed Norton and Marlon Brando, <laughs> of all people. It is a straight, dramatic, action-y heist movie. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was apparently a nightmare production. It was kind of one of those things that made Frank Oz kind of not want to direct again. Apparently, uh, that we talked about it a while ago. I think it was um, F of, in the F of Fake episode we were talking. That's going to be coming out soon for listeners. <laughs> we're not out yet at the time oh. of recording. Don't <laughs> um, give away secrets. But I think we're talking about brand, like egotistical actors in that and Brando, and you're like, didn't Brando film with no pants on? I'm like, it's that movie. Ah. And apparently he would only call Frank Oz, his director, Miss Piggy. And that ref- is great. And refused to take direction, and De Niro ended up having to be like the middleman. But like, Oz would tell De Niro who then... It is then- very traumatic for Frank Oz. Yeah. Um... But also fabulously hilarious. Yeah, just proving how much of a cunt Marlon Brando was. Speaking um, of cunts, yeah. uh, in this scene, uh, Lawrence is like, "I've had enough." She isn't as rich, or like, I she's not rich at all, and she's super young, and we're just destroying this. Woman. I carefully screen my women. The only reason I've gone with this one is because it was in the moment. And uh, Freddie is like, fuck that. I didn't give You're just trying to welch. You're trying to get out of the bed. Because Freddie, up until this point, only did 20 buck kind of things. Like, or 100... Scammed, like, three beers and a chocolate milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He he has no consequence or knowledge or understanding of what it means to really take enough money to ruin someone's life. Yes. Um, You know. Um, And he's very surprised later in the next scene or next whatever it moment is where he um, he says I love you and she says I love you I love you too and he's like really like kind of thing he breaks character in that moment and um, yeah but I really I've got to I know we mentioned this earlier but I've got to really celebrate this film in the in the fact that Michael Caine acknowledges that he's too old for her Mm-hmm. And at no point is the bet is he about trying to win her. He begins with his like gambling thing and doing the the regular thing, but it doesn't work. And she kind of looks at him weirded out. Um, and so he he he's that good of a con man that he acknowledges that, and he he never once tries to make it about who can win her rather than who can win the money. Yeah. And then in this point, he says, "Oh well, I'm just going to bet that you won't." bed her, if that makes sense. It, it's such a good, like, 
shifting of it. You, yeah, like, because yeah. it'd be so easy to do the opposite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would be so easy to be him just be like, oh, like, yeah, it's... But they've thought about it. They've thought about the character and the age and all this sort of thing, and they're like, nah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, it's it's a credit to everyone involved, like, making exactly. where it's, it's... They give a shit about what they're making. They're not trying to just make a crappy movie. No. Like, it's... The attention... The last version was a shitty version of this. Like, let's try and make a good film. Yeah. The attention to detail and the thought in the characters is amazing. Hmm. When was the first time you watched this? Oh, so, oh, it's not a film I grew up with. I grew up with a lot of Steve Martin, but Father of the Bride and all that that you were mentioning earlier is definitely something I watched young. But this is actually something my husband Josh introduced me to. Mm. Uh, and I have to give a lot of jo- credit to Josh because he also did Planes, Trains and Automobiles. There's some classic comedy that I didn't get exposed to yeah. that I've then watched because of him. And I've got to say, there's... Watching comedy is always good, but watching comedy with someone else is way better. And watching comedy with Josh, he has the biggest bear chuckle ever. <laughs> Josh dies watching this film. He laughs so hard. It is, it, you can't help but get swept up in it. And I, you know, we talk a lot about uh, cinema being, going to the movies and all that, and I feel like comedy is not as popular as it once was. Imagine Mm-mm. in the eighties going to see this, oh, or man. a fish called Wonder, or any of those sorts of fun. You yeah. just like get caught up in the audience participation in a way, and just like laugh your fucking ass off together, and be yeah, it'd be great. I'm trying to think of like what the last comedy, comedy. I saw in the cinema was. Like proper comedy, yeah. not like dramedy. I, I was about to say cats. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, well, we I went don't know. to see, um, what was it called? Oh, the John Waters John movie. John Waters. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, a new comedy. I'm, mm-hmm. Fuck it, I'm going to go back in my letterbox. My, in my mind, I'm like, I know something. Shrek. Was such a <laughs> <laughs> in the I cinema? Mean, see, like, Borat yeah. 2 would have been good if we'd gotten a chance to see it in the cinema. That would have been fun, but... But you know, like, this film is made for cinema. It's made for cinema. Like, is VHS even a huge thing at this point? Like, no. I mean, yeah, yeah, eighty-eight, yeah. yeah. Oh, not not affordable for everyone, though. No, but video stores are a thing in eighty-eight. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. rental store for sure. But by, by eighty-eight, but, not, but yeah. not as big as they were in the nineties. No, no, no. It, but this is you know, this cinema. is yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. That like, it doesn't really matter at what point VHS comes in, but it's more like this is made for cinema. This exactly. is made for cinema participation. Well, that's it. it it's a yeah. it's a beautifully constructed, lush film. Yeah. Like, and that's the whole thing. Comedy is best experienced with others. Definitely. Like, watching a comedy on your own is great, but watching it in a group or with someone else is magical. Like, it's funny. It's a, it's the shared experience of yeah. laughing. Like. Man, I was, I was trying to think, like, the the other night I was... I'm on a bit of a Tarantino kick, re-watching some of his stuff. Rewatching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I now think might be my favourite of his films. Jesus Christ in fucking hell. Yeah, I mm. almost thought about, like, bringing up to you, like, commentary for that, maybe. Done. <laughs> Except for the fact that it's nearly three hours. We can do it. Yeah. Um, I abstain from that. <laughs> yeah, because Claire does not like it, and I remember you leaving like, no. eh. Um, the more but, I watch it, it's it's a slow burn. Oh, it's a masterpiece. But I remember seeing 
that at the film festival, at like the the Australian premiere of that at the at MIV, at the Astor, and that ending scene with Brad Pitt on on Aston, just like I remember you and you were on a horsey, <laughs> and like, and then how it just explodes into horrific violence, like bashing against the fireplace and things, and just the audience screaming with laughter, yes. like when you laughter, have when yes. you have like. 600 people losing their shit simultaneously. There is nothing like it. Yes. It is a magical experience. Go back to the movies, everybody. I think, <laughs> yes. And that's what I mean. Like, imagine this in the 1988, watching this in the cinema. And, like, yeah, maybe not 600 people screaming. You know, no, you know, no. Like, based on the, whatever. you know, 27th highest grossing film of the year. It lost... It, 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 child's play outgrossed it. Jesus. Isn't that t- depressing? But then, like... Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I've got to mention here the duping that we were discussing before of the duping of the audience. So, they come to me, Freddie. Come on, you can do it. I believe in you. And then he does, and then they lay on the bed, and then Michael Caine's voice rings Already over. Already in the room. And you're like... That's a dupe for Steve Martin. It's also a dupe for Lewis. This bit here is a dupe because how the fuck did he get out of that situation? It's that beautiful then, unfolding. Bang! It's like yeah, I'm a reserve or whatever the thing is. But not just that. Like he got that. He's like supplied them with booze and booze, food in a hotel, hotel suite, room. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah. It's. I, I will, like, it's not a complaint against the film, but I, I think after this, it, it kind of lingers on a bit more. Like, it, it almost yes. needs, like, my one complaint on this film is it doesn't need to be an hour, 50 minutes. Yeah. It, if you trim that whole, like, he's dropping her off at the airport, it, it happens, like, multiple times. Like, yeah, they yeah, heard yeah. they're coming back. Like, if you could kind of mould this last... But then, 20 minutes into kind of 10. Then we don't ever see Steve Martin gloating that he won the bet. No, no, like, but, but, but that's it. You, if you can somehow, like, if you had had that scene of, like, after, like, I don't know, you miss out on some great comedy stuff like this, what we're about to see with the hand glued and stuff, but it's Janet going back. You get the scene of Michael Caine in the pool being, like, yeah. getting the phone call. It's like, if it's, you could cut somehow. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's. It, it's just the problem of like that I think a lot of modern comedies have, where it's like it don't like just compact, Concise. Yeah, 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 don't yeah. don't do a Judd Apatow where it's we have a two hour twenty minute long comedy. What are we doing? Ugh. What are we doing? Ugh. Comedies, all right. Hear, hear me out. Comedies should be short, sharp, and shiny. Yep. I, I say that as a massive fan. There are obviously exceptions to the rule. What? Yeah. What, what would be? What would you say they would be? Uh, I don't have my DVD library in front of me, so... But, I mean... There would be, though. Yeah, for sure. There would be. But um, like, yeah. this one needn't... I know what you mean here. It, it's... it's Maybe on rewatching, it's a bit tiresome. It, it but, feels like shit's wrapping up right now, but there's another 20 minutes still yes. to go. But I think, like, in the moment, in the cinema, in the first time watching, this is fine. Yes. This is fine. Yeah, yeah but, totally. but on rewatch, it's probably like, ugh. Yeah. Um... We, we shat on the remake version with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson, but there is another remake version of this that I think is fantastic. So wait, hang on a second. You're telling me that before yes. The Hustle, yes. there was a remake of this. Yes, directly of this version, still called Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, 
Except it wasn't a movie. Yep. It was a Broadway musical. <sighs> no, fuck you, it is great. I hate when they do that. No, but it, it works so well. Like, the rewatching. I can it, see that it works. Pre- like, that introduction of Freddy on the train. It's like a theatrical entrance of one character, and then it's like, ba dum bum ba and you We're on a train. We're no, on a train. Like, no, it's like enough for everything is sung. It's like there are scenes and then songs. Um, what makes it even better? Like, I have, it's never actually really toured here in Australia that I've been aware of. Um, but I've watched it on YouTube with the original Broadway run. Yep. In the role of Lawrence. Fucking John Lithgow. Okay. <laughs> I have For those who can't say. she leaned back in her chair to contemplate. I have something to say. John Lithgow is one of my favourite actors of all goddamn time. Yep. All goddamn time. If, in fact, we were talking about Americans who should be British. Yeah. <laughs> John Lithgow. Yeah. He's at number one spot. He is. Yes, I can see that working. Yes, he's Lawrence. The opening scene for the children. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Amazing. And the Dr. Emil Schiff. It's, it's so perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it works great as a stage musical. I think it's one that's kind of been adopted, like a lot of high schools do it now and things, because it is non-offensive. There's no swearing. It's a nice... Yeah. Um, But uh, coming back to the duping of character slash audience, I feel like Steve Martin's character is often the one being duped and then we're along for the ride. Like the the prison, the the jail scene and um, this one, um, we cut away at just the right moment to think that they've yeah. had sexual relations. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, um... They've bumped ugly. Yes! That's what Josh would say. Gross. Apparently... <laughs> Sorry. Someone get that man a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> the big book of British smiles. <laughs> Sorry, you're on a point. I apologise. <laughs> Um, He's so rich. Look at that cordless phone. 1988, bitch. Hello, Andre. What a lovely body. (laughs) (laughs) You're on a point. Back up. Um, No, it was more the editing. Um, It's clever. Like, like imagine as the director, okay, in this scene, everyone's in the know. In this scene, this person's not in the know, and we're following them, so we're Mm -hmm. not in the know. In this scene, this, you know, and, like, depending on... You know, like, just, it makes We're, so yeah. much sense post. It, it, it's Frank it. Oz like, doing it perfectly. The perspective, the perspective the he, he shifts, because I was going to ask the question, who, who is the protagonist of this film? Who was our protagonist? He cleverly no. shifts the focus evenly between the two, depending on that's who is mastery. being won over in the scene, like he said. Exactly. And that's a mastery of film knowledge. Like, mm. you would have to know film film um sorry, sorry the cat's doing something weird <laughs> i'm i'm Make hoping go, huh? she's yeah. having a shit um, no no she's <laughs> playing with the venetian blinds <laughs> um but anyway so we can be fancy too we've got venetian <laughs> blinds <laughs> not just regular blinds venetian <laughs> they come from venice <laughs> <laughs> So in this moment, we are uh, following Janet, and 
this is the thing. Like, how on rewatch do I still feel sorry for her? I know. I feel Knowing like she's been hard done by. But she yeah. hasn't slept with Steve Martin. No. And, and it's just duping fucking Michael Caine out of, what is it, a hundred thousand, a hundred grand or something? Like, it's 50 grand. Yeah. Is that, but like, you know, maybe today's but, standards. But plus it's, but it plus it's the fur, it's like the jewellery, the clothing and the luggage. He, he took everything. But so she, he empties her, his safe for her. But she knows the yeah, bet. Yeah, the mink, the jewellery, the traveller's checks, all my money. It's, she knows the money for the bet because that's his fee. Um, she knows his opinion of Freddie. Yeah. Um, which just shows that she's on another level. Like, obviously, Freddie and Lawrence have this, like, you know, Lawrence is way better than Freddie, but Janet is way better than Lawrence. So yeah. she she's already in the know about um, his opinion of Freddie, that she could do this and still uh, really um, be believed by Lawrence. So, well, I don't know what her research is. We've kind of had a bit of an interlude, like with Lawrence and you know, the police she, inspector and all that sort of thing. But but Janet, I don't know what level she's on. I honestly think it's just intuition. Mm. Like, picking up that these two guys, it's clearly two con artists that know each other. And getting picking up on the dynamic, like the whipping scene. How can you not be like, <laughs> he's the, the literal whipping boy. <laughs> like, he... It, it's it's that and that's what's so great. She's so good at her job. Yes. On pure intuition, Michael Caine yes. needs to do thorough background checks. Have all these people in his employ. She yes. is just the fucking boss. At yeah. This. And that's why I love at the end, like it's it's the ultimate like game respect game where Michael Caine is like, isn't she lovely? Yes. Like, that's, and that's, that's a the very nineteen like, reaction. That that that's that, what I mean. Yeah. Plays into that kind of thing because it yeah it's a very old timey kind of thing to say. And big hats. That's very nineteen forties. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, you're right. Yeah, I love this scene because. We we believe that she's still good, whatever. But but, but she hands the bags back, the, and, yeah. and she's like, "I can't do it. I can't. All the best to you, whatever." Ooh, what, and it's got Steve Martin's clothes. Yeah. <laughs> when was the first time you saw this, Claire? Did you grow up on this, or was this? No, a, I watched it with you. Yeah. Like, I watched it with Josh. What, yeah. Like three years ago. Maybe? Was it even that recent? Yeah. Even? Yeah. Because this is one. I, I reckon we were living in this house. Wow, because okay, this is one I do like once a year at least. But um, yeah, it, it's the thing, like you said, like the hey, you were handing back the bag. You think because she, she's being presented as such a good person. The twist, the first time, because I actually didn't grow up on this one either. I saw it for the first time when I was about eighteen. Like I, it was not a like childhood one for me. Um, it's interesting because it's PG. Yeah. Why weren't we? I, and I was a huge Steve Martin Frank Oz fan. I just never. Yeah, our parents did. didn't think that we yeah. engage with it, obviously. Um, but it is the twist that happens now. The first time you watch it, it's like Sixth Sense level. <laughs> like, yeah. it fucks you up. It is just yeah. like, oh my god, I didn't see that coming. And that's yeah. what you've been saying this whole time. Like, her performance, you never clue on. And there's no signifiers. There's nothing to let nothing. you... Nothing. And, like, even on the rewatch, you and know that... it's she... a comedy, so a com- you, you don't expect you, a twist ending. Yeah, you're being... Uh, there's Frank Oz, by the way. Your... Oh. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. He'll be back in another shot. But, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Keep it. 
you you like let down your guard and you you're like oh well let's, I'm just here for the comedy of these two being yeah being comedy blah 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 and you don't know that something else is going to happen. Frank Oz is playing the French policeman in the background, standing very stiff and <laughs> unsure what to do with his hands. Yes. Um, but yeah, you're totally right. It, it's you don't expect the genre is not yeah mm. it. It's kind of got the uh, dual genre going on, doesn't it? Heist yeah. Or, or, or and that's what I think as well. Like, it's it's a comedy first and foremost, but it also respects the heist and con genre, like the but, type of film it's trying to be. It, it, but but Michael Caine has a moment early on where the police inspector says to him, I, I know a guy, man, I know a guy, and he can get rid of this guy, like, whatever. And he's like, no, that's not me. That's unbecoming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... Oh, I love this. Huh? <laughs> and I love yeah. that they're two different reactions. Hello, boys. It was fun. I'll miss you. Love, Janet the Jackal. P.S. I'm keeping the money. Is that wrong? Is that wrong? Their, react, their different reactions are so perfectly timed. Shocked, stunned faces. <laughs> the music swelling. Michael yes. Caine just... Falling in love, love right there. Yeah. Just contemplating what? it all. Like, he's been won over for the first time. Like, oh, These are so masters. Perfect. These are masters of film. They're masters of acting. They're masters of comedy. They're masters of characters. <laughs> and, and you can tell that they've fought this everything out. And they're like, all right, you're going to do this. And yeah. I'm going to do that. And it's going to be fabulous. It, it, it is such a great buddy film. Yes. Buddy film, 100%. I like Steve Martin in this role. I know in, like, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, he's more the straight man. Yeah, I know Steve Martin has said he thinks Planes, Trains and Automobiles is his... is the best film he's ever made. But I think he's said that this is the most fun he's ever had making a film. And I think Kane was similar. It's like, this was... How could you not? Three months in the French Riviera, like, just... That's the thing, like, there's nothing... Um, you know. <laughs> sorry, I just like, Arthur, I'm sorry I broke your feelings. I know, I love that too. When I get back home, I'll send you the money. Oh, piss off. Piss off. It um, might just be my eyesight from, because I'm looking through a cord, but I feel like the transfer here is a little bit like, I, every now and then I see like a little spark or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. taken from the original 35. It's, it's, it's not the best of Blu-ray transfers. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, uh, you can see some grain and flick it's, it's and hairs and stuff. It's a bit grainy, but like every now and then, like I see like a little like flash of light in like a like pinprick side. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What's that? And then it sort of takes me out and goes, oh yeah. Yeah, they didn't. It's not a restoration print. It's just a yeah. flat out. Yeah. Um, up, uh, upscaling. I haven't for the noticed Blu-ray. it until this I don't scene. know. It's not the uh, Shout Factory. Yeah, it, it's not the Shout Factory. Yeah, there was just a massive yeah. one on the corner. Yeah. It's not the Shout Factory. It's the original MGM Blu-ray we're watching off. Um, I, th- I have a feeling Shout Factory went back and remastered, actually. Yeah. I should probably get it, but it was like, eh, I already got it. There's something very, like, old-timey about this shot. Oh, yeah. It's and... playing out for, like, three minutes of dialogue on the back of it. That's what I mean. Old-timey. Watching this in black and white. <laughs> Steve Martin being influenced by this shot and, you know, later with his comedies that he would write and all that sort of thing. Oh, he'd written, like, the bulk of the stuff he'd written was prior to this, to be honest. Oh, okay. Although, he's got something 
He's coming out of retirement soon, and it's going to be great. He's written a murder mystery series for him and Martin Short and Selena Gomez. What? Yeah. (laughs) I watched the trailer, and I was like, I'm in. Yeah. It looks great. It's called Only Murders in the Building. Okay, we have to pause and talk about About how offensive this thing is. Yeah, it's anytime someone does Australian, it's... No, the Jewish. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Fucking the, the Australian... No, 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 they, I, no, get, I didn't get... They're not Jewish, they're Greek. It's Nikos. Yeah. Is it? Oh, God, now I'm offensive. God damn it, Lee. Um, no, but she's fabulous. I love her so The boofy and how she's instantly a different character. The she's hair, the demeanor, everything. Um, oh, yeah. she's she's not she's just big blousy New York broad. That's all yeah. she is. And this is Nico, so we gotta go talk to Mister Australia. <laughs> yeah, but but I love that she she knows. Obviously, she's been in the know the whole time, but she she promotes uh, Lawrence as the whatever. Um, sorry, and then she's like uh, Freddie. You know, he's yeah. integral. He's he's important. He can't be done without him. But he's also a mute because he's a mm. fucking idiot. And that's. I, I also just love the thinking the fact that she has been working on this on the side secretly for eight because because it, it's been like two weeks uh, past and she's come back with a fucking cruise ship of people like this is she has yeah. multiple things on the go yeah it's ins- it's amazing because a woman can multitask and you gonna say anything again like we're doing the role reversal here who's the most powerful character <laughs> Australian she accent is. and they just have to go along with it I actually find this offensive how you go in sport <laughs> have you okay have it's any like of us cold. ever in your life called someone cobber no, no. Hey, I've never cobber. shrimp on a barbie even. yeah it's so funny for us um, well, we I don't even say, call them shrimp. We call them. I know this actually isn't about this scene, and I'm so sad I didn't say it earlier. But one of my favorite scenes, and I think it kind of like brings it in with this, is that the build up and the whatever um, is uh, right at the beginning where Freddie and Lawrence uh, are getting to know each other and all that sort of thing. Um, Lawrence says to Freddie, "You know, I." I loved art, and I tried to be an artist, I tried to be a sculptor, I tried to be a painter, but I realised I had no talent. However, I had this whole I had taste. taste kind of thing. And um, so I, I respected and I knew my limitations. And there's this whole scene where it builds up to that moment, and then uh, the joke is, now, Freddie, you should know your limitations. You are a moron! <laughs> I fucking love that. This is the best way to end a film. Like, linking arms, let's go. Yes. And the dropping of the voice, let's go get him. Let's <laughs> you know, go like, get him. Ah, oh, so perfect. Frank Oz, thank you for making yes. this film. You're an underrated and underappreciated director, I think. Um, I, I really think this film's going to... Like, it's slowly starting to have a reappreciation, And people are starting to kind of... Get on, get on the bandwagon. <laughs> it's funny because, yeah, we like we could go into a discussion about modern comedy, but there's something about this that is just—it's very funny. What the fuck are they doing now? He because Freddie's wanting to bail. <laughs> just like I can't do this, I can't do this. this is over my head, and they're like, "No, come back in." I'm like, I love it. It's perfect. It is. It is a near perfect film. It really is. It is such a fantastic one. Uh, thank you all for listening to our thoughts on it. <laughs> yes, I think that we went on like tangents, but mainly like 
for our first comedy to you know pick to just dissect, this is mm. one that we equally love. Yeah, I just want to go on a holiday and stay there. <laughs> <laughs> don't the biggest don't we all? <laughs> Some of us are desperate to go yeah. away. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, we love and appreciate the support from you guys uh, on the Patreon. It helps us get better equipment, pay for the server costs, keep this whole crazy thing going. So thank you so much. Um, we haven't figured out what our next commentary is going to be. We're going to have a no, chat about that. Yeah, so just stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll post an announcement on the Patreon, letting you guys know before the end of the month. But, but you know what would be interesting? Like, listeners, if you have anything you'd like us to do a commentary on let us know yeah yeah no definitely like if there's any film like yeah hit us up yeah uh but i guess that'll wrap us up for our dirty rotten scoundrels commentary uh (laughs) again thank you everyone uh for this commentary track i'm chris i'm lee and i'm claire and we'll see you next time